the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. For boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Bet $100 and get $100 at WinBet.com or download the WinBet app and start winning today. State restrictions do apply. We're also brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Final Four Watch Party April 1st at 7.30 p.m. SGP will be at the Ice House in Los Angeles. Come hang out with the crew. All of the info at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash icehouse. Howdy, Degenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 314. We're going to throw this one out to the LFA, which is our favorite way to cover midweek MMA. Uh, they are once again giving us a show on Friday leading into the UFC show, which is very, very exciting. This one coming your way from the Seneca Niagara Resort and Casino in Niagara Falls, New York, a place where I have been before. Uh, not, not necessarily the greatest place to hang out, but definitely a fun place to watch fights, especially if you were there on a Friday night. So we're going to give you a five fight breakdown of five of the main card fights that we like the best, including some real good UFC prospects. Um, of course, I should probably introduce myself first. If you did not know who this voice was you were hearing, first of all, where have you been for 313 episodes? And second of all, I'm Daniel Gubby Vreeland. Uh, I host this year podcast as well as the Top Journal MMA podcast. Uh, and I write for SGPN. So you can catch all my writing at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Um, and I am joined once again to break down another fine regional card with Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, what did you think of this one uh, when you were you were taking a, a preliminary look at it? Uh, it's honestly pretty good, man. I really like the uh, the main event. I think uh, which we're going to talk about in a few. Do, do, Rafael Donasmiento. He goes by um, something a little bit different, though, right? Like his, Malusha? Uh, Rafael Malusha? Yeah, Malusha or something like that. Pretty cool. He, he seems to be the goods. Um, I think the uh, Azenza... Oduwale fight could be solid. Um, Barbosa Santos is going to be a banger too. So I, I think this is a really good fight up and down. And we're not going to talk about him, but Gavin Teasdale is a name to watch. He is 0-1, but he's on the undercard. Um, was a really solid uh, collegiate wrestler. Oh, that is a solid one. Yeah, and if I'm remembering correctly, I think we broke down his first fight. Because he fought on, um, you know, you just mentioned Asensa. He fought on Asensa's original fight card, like I want to say a couple, a while ago. And uh, we we were big on him, and then he had kind of a dud of a fight. But maybe maybe this is his turnaround. So hey, guys, keep an eye out for that value. And speaking of value, uh, this fight card does not have odds yet. As you guys know, typically when we take beginning of the week cards uh, or beginning of the week episodes, rather, sometimes they don't have odds. So we're gonna give you probably approximate odds on these fights. I'm usually pretty good at giving you guys what I think are going to be the odds. So I'll continue doing that anyway. And you're going to get picks from both me and Kurt this week. So make sure you uh, enjoy that. I guess we should get right into it. There's no reason to wait. We're going to talk about that aforementioned Rafael Barbosa versus Myron Santos fight. One that is going to be incredibly good. Uh, We'll start with Barbosa. This is his uh, featherweight, by the way. Uh, Barbosa, Kokshina is his nickname, which means tiny thighs. 
Uh, he, in fact, he sometimes just goes by Rafael Kokshina. He's 25 years old. He's 14 and four in his pro career. He's six foot tall at featherweight, which is maybe why he has tiny thighs. He's got a 72 inch reach. He's going to have a three inch height advantage over Santos two and one for LFA, but he has been out of the cage for almost two years at this point, year and a half plus Santos. On the other hand, Alenda, which means the legend, he's 22 years old. 12 and one in his pro career. He's five foot nine with a 72 inch reach. That one loss did come in his only LFA fight, but it's worth mentioning it came to Ultimate Fighter and UFC veteran Dan Argueta, um, who just kind of out wrestled them the whole time. So certainly no shame in that. Um, but the 22 year old, who's three years younger than Barbosa, I'm gonna say here uh, from my my amateur handicapping experience, I, I think Santos is gonna come in here as a decent favorite. I'm gonna say like negative 155. I'll give you a Barbosa at plus 140, and I will seed the first pick to my co-host today. Uh, Kurt, Kurt, who you got in this one? I'm going with Santos here. I, I actually really like this matchup in uh, doing a little bit of tape study on them. Um, but like you said, uh, Barbosa's coming off a two-year layoff. Um, I think he, he tends to – he's got some subs on his record, but I feel like he tends to favor the striking a little bit more, and that seems to be Santos's world. I think he's a super dynamic, very young um, no shame in losing uh, Dan Ogeda either. He's a, he's a stud. Give me Santos by a uh, finish here. Uh, and I'm going to differ with you on this one. I actually like the dog money on Barbosa here. If it is in fact dog money. So if you're listening to this and you, you wind up going to your book and, and Barbosa is listed as a you know a favorite of some sort, I, I wouldn't bet him as a favorite. But if he is coming in as a dog, I actually think there's a little bit of value here. He's got a nice little one, two, and he keeps range really well with like push kicks up the middle. He is kind of slow, which bums me out and, and does make me think there is a chance that Santos just catches him here. But also, I will say Santos kind of looked like a fish out of water when he was getting wrestled. And, and Barbosa can wrestle a little bit, certainly not to the level of Dan Argueta. Dan Argueta is like, you know, you know he's a beast for his size and, and, and certainly does good work. So I don't think Barbosa is going to do that kind of work. But I do think that, like, it's at least worth playing if he's an underdog here that you could probably get him to just take down Santos enough that he's going to get the win. So I, I'm going to officially, I'm going to officially go with Barbosa here, but I will say I'm, I'm not making this pick if he's not, you know, if I'm not getting some plus money on the other side. And one of those places where you can get plus money is WinBet. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is now active in Massachusetts and a ton of other states. Be on the look for WinBet's win hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern time during WinBet's win hour. Marquee games of the week have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. And March Madness is here, so there's so many ways to bet the big dance. Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet 100 bucks, get 100 bucks. limited to state availability. And of course, for our DGENs only, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head on over to winbet.com or download the WinBet app. Offers up to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, that's going to bring us to our second fight, which happens down at Flyweight. We're going down two weight classes for this one. Cody Davis versus Joseph Camacho. Cody Davis, no nickname on this guy, but he's 28 years old. Uh, six and one in his pro career. He's very short. He's five foot three with a 66 and a half inch reach. So even for a flyweight, he's kind of on the shorter side. He's two and one in LFA so far. Joseph Camacho, nicknamed Say Say. 
Uh, I don't have his age. It's actually not listed on Tapology. Couldn't find it anywhere. But he is 5-0 oh in his pro career. He's going to be two inches taller than Davis, two inch of reach advantage. And he's 1-0 oh so far in LFA. So if I'm going to handicap this one, uh, I think uh, Camacho probably comes in here as a slight favorite. I'm going to say like negative 135. So not by very much. And I'm going to go dog again here. I actually like uh, Cody Davis. I, I think the thing about Cody Davis that I really like is being the shorter, like very small guy at flyway. He's able to have both insane speed and keep that pace up. He's not like tiring his large body. He clearly doesn't have to cut a lot of weight. Um, he, he throws like two or three lead hands right in a row on the jab. He gets a little frantic in exchanges, which I don't love, but like his chain wrestling is very good. Um, and I just think, you know, like he's fighting a guy in Camacho who I watched him stun his last opponent and he jumped guillotine. And I know if you're in our discord, which by the way, you should all be in our discord at sports gambling slash discord. We hate guys who jump the guillotine unnecessarily. Um, and Camacho is a guy who I've seen do that a couple of times. So I'm going to fade him. I'm going to go Davis, hopefully as a slight dog here. Uh, how about you, Kurt? Let's turn it over to you. I'm going to go Davis as well. I just think activity is going to be important here. If you look at Camacho's uh, record, he's had a lot of bouts of uh, inactivity. Um, and yeah, I like Davis's record uh, or uh, wrestling. I think he's going to be able to chain it well and get takedowns when he needs. Um, like I said, he's fast on the feet. Yeah, give me Davis by a decision here. Yeah, and one other thing I will tell before we move on is too is you you'll notice he's one of those guys who's like late on his feet and like clearly looks like he comes from like a karate or taekwondo background he's very bouncy but also like he's almost bouncy for the sake of being bouncy sometimes like you'll watch him bounce into range but then have like bounced too close to his opponent to actually do any of the punches he was planning on throwing or he'll like bounce out of range but it'll be so far extra out of range that like now the leg kick he was planning on throwing at the end of that isn't there anymore. So, like, it's a lot of wasted movement. And when you're fighting a guy who's so fast like Cody Davis, I think that's a problem. Um, but that being said, let's move on to the next one, which is lightweights. Adam Asenza versus Yemi Aduwole. Asenza, nickname is The Maverick. He's 35 years old. Long professional career here. 16 and 7 is a pro. He is 5'8 with a 70-inch reach. Uh, that's going to put him at a two-inch reach in, or a four-inch reach disadvantage and a two-inch height disadvantage. He lost his LFA debut, which was his last fight. Um, so he's owned one officially in LFA. Uh, Oduale, nicknames Yemster, 32 years old. He's nine and four as a professional, five foot ten and two inches taller than Asenza. He's got four inches of reach. He's also owned one in LFA. Um, when I was looking at this one, I, I think the odds again, you know, and I don't mean to keep just giving super close odds, but I, I kind of keep feeling like that's going to be the case here. I'm going to say Ascenza at like negative 185 is probably the line here. Uh, I think there are enough people who are going to like Oduwale, keep that number south of negative 200, but I think it's probably going to be trending right around there. So uh, if that is in fact the case, Kurt, who you got in this one? I got a Zenza here. I, I, I think that Odawale is going to come out, uh, watch some of his fights. He seems to have pretty um, solid wrestling and grappling, where on the flip side, Zenza just seems like a really polished uh, striker. He seems to stand uh favor like Muay Thai. He's good in the clinch. I'm going to go with Zenza here. I think that he is going to do better work on the feet. I think he's going to try to keep distance, pop jab, maybe pop teeps, work the legs. Um could get dicey if Odawale does get uh, his grappling game going, but I'm going to go with Zenza here. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And, and here's the weird thing, too, is I actually found out Oduwale has fought some Muay Thai in the past, which it, it blows my mind. Because like you said, his best traits are clearly his wrestling. Maybe it was him just trying to get experience in other arts or something like that. But he seems to, in his last couple of fights since he took his Muay Thai fights, he seems to, like, weirdly fight too upright like he is a Muay Thai fighter and that, like, nobody's going to shoot a takedown. And I think it's messing up his wrestling, too, which is not good. Also, fighting too upright against Adam Asenza, who is, I, I think spazzy is the right word, and I don't mean that, like, in a mean way, but, like, he is just, he gets after it. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. If you've never seen an Adam Asenza fight, um, he's probably going to be a career regional guy, which there's no shame in being a career regional guy, but he's probably going to be a career regional guy. But, man, is he going to be one of the most exciting ones because, you know, spinning attacks, jumping attacks, you know, wading in and throwing wild hooks and ultimately I do think he's just like a better striker. And I think when he does get in the clinch, he's going to be better than Oduwale too. But um, yeah, he's definitely going to have to avoid that wrestling if he does want to take home the win here. Um, but I got a sense. Uh, I think he eventually catches Oduwale, especially with Oduwale standing a little tall. Now, uh, speaking of standing tall, let's talk about one of our sponsors who stands tall each and every time for us. And that's Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy brings you this episode. They're heating up for our March Madness. College Pick'em is a great way to get in on the action, especially if your bracket is busted after day one. Plus, Underdog Fantasy has all your favorite college basketball player props. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com. Use promo code SGP for an 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right. Still got two more fights to get you guys here, and they are ones with real UFC implications on this one. Uh, we're going to start at lightweight for the remaining two of here. Uh, we're going to talk first about Solomon Renfro. Solomon Renfro, a guy we've often talked about in here on this episode or on this show and in the discord, he's nicknamed the black dragon, 26 years old, 10 in three as a pro five foot nine with a 72 and a half inch reach. That's going to give him an inch of height and two and a half inches of reach over Glacio Elizario. Uh, he's Owen one in LFA. He was Owen one in the contender series. And if you look at his three losses in his career, it's literally any time he stepped up and fought somebody who's UFC caliber. In fact, all three of the guys who beat him then went on to get signed by the UFC and with quite a bit of success too. Mike Malott is the first guy who tagged him and bagged him. Uh, then he lost in contender series to Johnny Parsons, who unfortunately had that weird brain issue that kept him out of the cage for a while, but he's seemingly coming towards his UFC debut soon. And Adam Fugit, who just uh, recently turned away super prospect Kinoshita uh, and got his first win in the UFC. So all guys who not only have gotten to the UFC, but had wild success. And I think a lot of people have had Renfro pegged as that guy who's like about to take that step forward. And every single time he does just comes up a little short. So he's going to take a, or make a chance effort to take a step forward again against Glaucio Alizario. Slavomar is the nickname. He's 35 years old. So towards the end of his career, 10 and seven as a pro, as I said, an inch shorter, two and a half inches of less reach, one and three in LFA. But here's another guy who's like fought some dudes like 10 and seven sounds like a terrible record. But listen to this. He's fought Natan Schultz from PFL fame. He's fought Ishmael Bonfim, who is now, you know, killing it in the UFC. He's fought Christian Aguilera, who is in the UFC. He's fought Aaron McKenzie, who is currently in the Ultimate Fighter house. 
So, like, this is a dude who's taken losses in his career, but he has taken some losses to some dudes. So, uh, props to I. Lazario. Um, he's going to be fighting the much younger, nine years younger, Solomon Renfro here. Uh, who you got, Kurt? I'm, I'm going to go Renfro. I, I, I think that he's probably getting uh, Ilazario at a good time. Again, Ilazario has probably fought better competition. And like you said, Renfro has kind of stumbled when he he's faced guys that are, you know, I guess you could say UFC caliber. I don't think at this point Ilazario is. I think he's been a little chinny in his last couple fights. I think uh, Renfro actually gets a finish here. And, uh, you know, maybe in the upcoming season gets another shot in the Contender Series. I thought he performed well um, when he did have that fight in the Contender Series. Yeah, I agree with you. I, like, it, it, he does feel like one of those guys that even though he's, like, failed a couple of times at getting what's his, like, you still feel like he's going to get it at some point in time. Like, he's only 26 years old. He's hyper-athletic. Um and like, yeah, I, I don't think I Lozario is going to be the guy to turn him away. I will just say this. I think when we see the odds posted for this fight, Renfro is going to be a massive favorite, both because he's a name people have heard on Contender Series and because of the athletic gifts that he clearly possesses. I'm going to say negative 350 to negative 400 in there. It's going to be massive. Uh, and I'm going to say I'm going to probably stay away from that number. I probably don't even like it in parlays because, like you said, he he's kind of faltered when he stepped up. I don't think Alazario is the guy to beat him, but it's enough for me to be like, eh, I don't want to bet him at negative 400 or I don't want to throw him in parlays that he could potentially ruin. The other reason why I really don't think Alazario is going to be the one to turn him away, he just doesn't have like the pop in his hands. And if you look at the guys who've turned Renfro away, right? Like Fugit tagged him and finished him. Mike Mallett or Malat, Mike Malat tagged him and hit him with a submission. Like he, he's just kind of like one of those guys who like, if you if you can pop them, cool, and maybe you'll you'll be able to follow up with something on that. But if you can't, I don't I don't really see your path to victory here. And Lazario, if you you know if you look back, you know he's good defensively striking. He, he counters kind of nice, but nothing seems like it's big power here. So I kind of like Renfro, uh, but just definitely not at the price we will probably see. All right, and that brings us to the main event, which is for. The LFA bantamweight title, and if I'm not mistaken, it's the LFA's uh, vacant bantamweight title, which would mean, hang on, let me put the intern on it, which would mean that it has been vacated for some reason that is eluding me at the current moment. The bantamweight, last bantamweight champ, people love when you look up things on air during a podcast. The last bantamweight was Muin Gafaroff. Oh, that's right, Gafaroff. Did Gafarov get signed by the UFC? Let me see. I do not appear to know why Muin Gafarov would not be. Yeah, I do not know why he would no longer be the champ. This is apparently for the vacant championship. Uh, I'll continue to leave the intern on wondering how, where uh, Gafarov is and why he is no longer their Bantamweight champion. Um, but instead, we're going to get a Bantamweight title fight between Rafael Dunasamento and Jarrell Hodge. So let's start with Dunasamento. Uh, his nickname is Militia, which I assumed meant Militia. Um, and then I looked up its Portuguese meaning, which means stubborn. And I'm like, oh, it must mean stubborn. And then I went back and watched one of his fights. And he's got a giant metal militia <laughs> tattoo across his back. You remember that old, like, clothing brand, Metal Militia? I do, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's He's got their logo tattooed across his back. Like, some fighters have, like, their name tattooed across their back. Um, you got to appreciate that dedication. So he's... uh. 
got an interesting bat tattoo. He's 31 years old. He's eight and one in his pro career, five foot seven, 70 inch reach. That's going to be the same across the board with Jarrell Hodge two and zero in the LFA, which is how he is getting this title shot, including an absolutely huge win over Justin Wetzel in his last fight where he just starched him with the finish. Jarrell Hodge, nicknamed Thundercat. Sadly, he does not have a giant Thundercat back tattoo, much like the Metal Militia back tattoo, but uh, his nickname is still Thundercat. 33 years old, 9-3 as a pro. As I said, 5'7 with a 70-inch reach, much like Duna Samento. Making his LFA debut. I kind of got a weird stat to throw in here at you guys. He had a boxing match three weeks ago. Uh, three weeks ago at the time of the fight, not three weeks ago from taping this. I guess only two weeks ago from taping this. He lost that boxing match by knockout. And I don't know how I feel about a guy fighting a boxing match three weeks ago, getting knocked out and deciding, yes, LFA title shot three weeks from now. Um, Seems like a weird move. With that being said, I'm going to say he comes in here negative 275 underdog or uh, plus 275 underdog with Cemento being the negative 300 favorite. Um, Who you got in this one, Kurt? I'm going to go Junas Manto here. He he looks like he is probably, if he wins this fight, you know, especially impressively winning the title, I, I got a feeling he's going to be getting a call from the UFC relatively uh, soon. Um, Joe Hodge has some decent striking. Obviously, you know, if he's taking professional boxing fights, he's definitely putting in the work to get his hands better. But uh, Junas Manto, as good as the ground game is, he's pretty damn well-rounded on the feet. He's got a lot of subs on his record, but you know, and it's crazy that his last fight was his first, uh, you know, finish with the, uh, with strikes and boy, was, was it a nasty one, but, uh, you know, I think he's going to be able to, uh, get the finish here within distance on, uh, Hodge. Yeah. It was crazy. Cause I watched that fight with Wetzel and he knocked him out and I was like, man, this dude is killer on the feet. And then, yeah, I was reminded like he just hasn't finished a lot of guys on the feet. All of his wins for the most part are submissions, He's actually got a really good top game, which we saw against Marcus McGee. Um, you know, like he was obviously on the regional scene before that, so you can't see too much of it. And it's worth noting his only loss came from a DQ because he kicked a guy in the head when he was down. Um, so, like, you know, even his loss is not really a loss. He's super dangerous in there. I, I think here's the thing about him, too. Like, he's got good leg kicks. He gets back and backed up a little bit more than I like. But, like, even if he gets taken down, which I don't think Jarrell Hodge is going to take him down, even when he gets taken down, he goes immediately to, like, a high guard or a butterfly guard. He's either trying to get back up or he's trying to, you know, ruin your posture and try something funky off the back. Uh, And I think, you know, like you said, Hodges likes to box, clearly likes to box. But at the same time, like, just recently was knocked out. That's a bad sign when you're going to fight a guy who hits like Duna Cemento. So uh, I like Militia quite a bit here. You know, if it does wind up in the negative 300 range, I think we're probably talking about parlay fuel, but pretty much apart from that, probably staying uh, away from just the straight money line. Although he should win. You could probably even make some money on him at negative 300 and not have to feel too bad about it. So uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Let me run down those picks for you guys real quick, and we'll tell you what to wait for for the rest of the week. Uh, We're both on Duna Cemento in the title fight main event. We're both on Solomon Renfro in the co-main event. We're both on Adam Asenza early on. We're both on Cody Davis. And the only fight that we differ on is the uh, the, the fight kicking off our show, the 145-pounders. I've got Rafael Kokshina, and he has got Myron Santos. Okay, And that's going to do it for uh, this LFA card coming to you from uh, – 
beautiful Niagara Falls in the Seneca Resort and Casino. Uh, we hope you guys are tuning in Friday. If you are, make sure to come chat with us in the Discord. Even on Fridays, it is popping with people who like to bet on LFA. Uh, because, you know, you're a true D-Gen if you're betting on regional MMA from a Native American casino in Niagara Falls. Um, that's the only kind of person who would show up in a Discord to talk about that. So make sure you come join us for that. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter at SGPNMMA. And I'm at Gumby Freeland. He is at KCPKO. Also, read all of our stuff on the sportsgamblingpodcast.com. That's where all of our writing goes up. You'll see our best picks for UFC San Antonio, which is the next time you guys will see us. We will be talking about UFC San Antonio's prelims this upcoming Wednesday. I gave you a little taste of it on the last show. Go back and listen to the last show if you haven't. We recap UFC 286. It's a good time. Um, and our next good time, like I said, will be Wednesday. Make sure you tune in then. Until then, I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland. He's Kurt Chase Patrick. And we will catch you on Wednesday. Peace.